millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Can I ask, were you, were you willing, were you willing to kill someone? Yes. That's why I was there. And if I had to kill people, I would kill people. And that is not even a challenge to me. You know, it's part of what I signed up for. Once Upon a Time in Northern Ireland is a compelling BBC series which tells the story of the Troubles as it's never been told before. I went into early labour, so I went into hospital on the uh, Thursday morning. Still recall waiting and Johnny coming to the hospital. It's uh, husband's only at night and then standing there to wait for his car to come up, which never came. You know, you stand at the window and the, the, the gunman's car come up. Over the course of the five-part series, many of those who feature have never spoken publicly before. And what they say leads the viewer to, in many cases, feel empathy for people they might otherwise hate. She had to kiss me because I had to give over we, we letters, we communications, we called them comps, the outside leadership. It was wee tissue papers, and when Ricky came out in the business, then you had to kiss it over. It was just this expectancy. I was told what to do as if they owned me. I hated every minute of being a prisoner's wife. I never knew the word hate until I got married, until this happened. Today I'm joined by the award-winning James Blumel, series director of the BBC and PBS documentary series Once Upon a Time in Northern Ireland, and its director, Shan McElwain. James and Shan, you're very welcome to The Bell Tell. I just finished this series a few days ago. I was stunned at how good it was. It's a five-part series, and I wasn't alone. The FT described it as outstanding. The Guardian said it was lyrical and profound. The Daily Mail found it riveting. The Times said it was a brilliant documentary. The New Statesman um, said that it may be the best television ever made about Northern Ireland. As filmmakers making a documentary about the Troubles. There's a lot of risk involved for you. It could be cliched, it could be biased, it could just be the same old stories that are frankly pretty boring at this stage because everybody's heard them so many times. When you went to read the first review of this, were you nervous or were you confident as to how people would receive it? When, 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 a, when, a, when a series like this goes out, I don't know, I'm not confident because... Um, because you never quite know how it's going to be received. You sort of lose control of it at some point. And that's, and that, and that, and that's daunting, especially, especially with a subject which has got sort of so much personal investment. 
it's still divisive and, and, and for some people any any shift away from their position would, would, could be seen as as uh, as negative or, or hurtful and how how did you both relate to this so shan you're you're from northern ireland james you're from england what was your level of knowledge james of northern ireland were you relying on shan for that aspect of it how, how did that all work together my level, my level of knowledge of Northern Ireland is is largely typical of someone that grew up in England in the eighties, like like it was on the news, um, it was in the background, and I as I grew up, I sort of understood the broad politics of it, but I didn't really understand the details. Certainly didn't understand what it was uh, like for people really living in Northern Ireland to to, to, to experience that. It's, it's a, that that's a, that's a very sort of usual space to grow up in in England, I think. And James, this series obviously follows your past work, Once Upon a Time in Iraq, and it's a it's a similar sort of style. Is is that the style that this was always going to be made in, or was there was there movement there? Was there the possibility that you would move away from that? Is that something you're very tied to? Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm tied to it. Um, it's, it, it's also I'm not even sure you can call it a style. It's, it's like a non-style. It's just a black room where people feel that they can sort of. Uh, you know, well, hopefully they can feel that they can speak. And I guess, I guess, I guess, you know, my, my job is, is is trying to create that environment where they can sort of open up. Um, but yeah, it was always intended to share a grammar to the Iraq film, um, which was, you know, very simply, rather than talking to politicians and decision makers, talk to the people whose lives were, were, were affected by those decisions, sort of passengers in that. Um, that's definitely a, a shared link between the two series. That, that that focus from, from from their testimony is trying to sort of reach some sort of emotional truth rather than uh, an, a, a sort of description of, of of events. And did did you ever consider interviewing politicians, or were they completely out of bounds? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't consider it for a second. Um, why, uh, not? why not? For the for the same reasons that that I didn't in, in, into them in Iraq, I feel that politicians get asked their opinions a lot. I feel that they've said what they've got to say. Um, it's out there already. I don't think I'm going to sort of get them to say anything more. And I'm also not particularly interested in, in giving someone a platform that is going to use that platform to, for their own sort of, their own ideological ends. Almost invariably, the interviews that you're conducting with these people by necessity are traumatic. They are raking over very the the most difficult aspects in many cases of these people's lives, things that they've maybe shut away for decades. You went from being a normal teenager to being someone that was willing to murder. Two easy steps type thing. Mm. You've taken me to a bad place, James. Sorry. Sorry, right, I'll get by, you know what I mean. How did you relax these people? Because they come across in many cases as very open, as very reflective, um, not necessarily conscious that there's a television camera staring at them. Well, I think, I mean, we meet them quite a lot before the interviews. Um, I think you definitely want them to go into it knowing that they sort of trust you and that they're comfortable with you. And it's not, it's definitely more of a conversation. So there's nice to have that familiarity there. Um, and I think as well, I mean, people are always really nervous for them, like, you know, at the beginning. So it does take a little while to get into the rhythm of them. But um, 
yeah, I think I think there is a relationship there between us and them already, which sort of helps that transition into into those topics. And tell me about how you achieve balance in this, because it's it's important to get balance in something about Northern Ireland if you're doing it journalistically. If you're doing it for the BBC, it's basically a very strict requirement. And it's very difficult to do that. And particularly within a, a very impressionistic work like this, where you're not covering even all the main atrocities or all the main individuals who were involved, you're picking and choosing and there are lots of risks in that. So how, how do you get balance over five films or within films? Um, I don't know. That's a really difficult question. I mean, it's something we always thought about um, throughout the whole thing. I, I think, you know, especially when you're doing topics like a bloody Sunday which means so much to people in Derry and you know how do you balance that not even within communities but within er- you know um areas I mean it's really difficult we were just trying to we sort of looked at how uh, tried to look at time periods and how people were affected by them and you know what events spoke to each other uh and that's I think what we were always aware of like and not and making sure not just balance on um, between um, communities, but also balance between genders and um, uh, and stories as well. You know, security forces too. So it was always a conversation, always an ongoing conversation with us. And James, there are so many people in in whom this or for for whom this is significant. So there are IRA people, UDA people, military, police, civilians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Is there is is there any aspect of it that stands out for you now? I mean, all, all of these are very dramatic, powerful human stories. But is there anything, when you look back on it, that lasts in your memory as something that you'll be thinking about twenty years from now? I was expecting the sort of stories that I heard. I'm I'm, I'm not walking in completely blind. That I mean, you, you do you do research, you, you speak to people, you you want you want to understand the world you're in. What I wasn't expecting was that there was still so much for the interviewee to discover when they were being interviewed in that space. And when you walk someone through their life quite slowly at their pace um, and you're really, really intensely listening, which is something that doesn't often happen, I think, in the world, they revealed stuff to me which they were surprised about. That's the thing that that will stick with me, how much much still there is to process for people that went through it, even though some of these things happened 50 years ago. And is, is there an implicit, and I, I don't mean that you're making this criticism, but is there an implicit criticism in this film and in what it gets out of these people of the media, and particularly the Northern Ireland media, which is where I work, so I'm not being critical of anybody other than myself here, that we have known this story in its big sense for a very long time. It's been with us for as long as I've been alive. And yet there's lots of this that's completely new to me. Um, there are things that people have never said before. There are people I've never heard of before. Um, for instance, I'm thinking of um, Richard O'Raw's wife, Bernadette. Um, didn't know anything about her. One of the most powerful people in the film. I mean, have we not been listening to these people in the right way? No, I didn't know about Bernadette O'Raw. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't set out to cast and, you know, Bernadette O'Raw. She was she was someone that came along with Ricky, <laughs> her husband, and it was just it was just it was just one of those sort of serendipitous moments where you, where you, where you, where 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 you know I'm meeting an ex IRA man, who uh, who is relatively well known, and he brings along his wife, who's just incredible, and there's this sort of whole story there which I didn't know about. Bernadette um, came up on a visit, 
And all I talked about the whole visit was the hunger strike and just snapped. And she says, I don't... I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about your hunger strike. At heart, so angry, so angry. I didn't want to go up there uh, and listen about the so-called war. I think at that stage they must have thought I was having the breakdown because they sent somebody up to the house. This was after a visit. And um, I said, fuck you and fuck the IRA. Fuck Maggie Thatcher and fuck Richard Raw. So it wasn't a good place. I really don't know what it's like for, for, for people to sort of live and work in Northern Ireland, telling stories about Northern Ireland professionally in the media. You can't, you can't untangle yourself from your own history and, and your own trauma from it, all probably. I, I don't have that issue. And were there lots of people you approached who had really powerful stories who just didn't want to go on camera? Yeah, Northern Ireland is a, is a small place. It's still a live issue and, and, and it takes um, a certain amount of, um, of courage to know that you're going to put your head above the parapet and, 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 and expose yourself that way. Uh, and that's just not for everyone. And, and I think everyone can respect that. Yeah. In, in 2020, after you put together the Once Upon a Time in Iraq series, you said of Saddam Hussein, no one is pure evil and no one is pure good. Is that your overriding philosophy when you come to these things? Is that your journalistic motif? Or is that specific to those circumstances? I think I think those you know, those terms evil and good are not massively useful. I've never met someone that, that can be described purely as as evil. There's always layers and there's always nuance to that. When I approach people who, who've had a, a history or I approach a subject, I don't, I try not to bring with it too much judgment. Um, and what I tend to look for is I tend to look for a human connection in that. And I can, I can, I can find a human connection in people that have done very, very bad things. I'm not, you know, that, that, that doesn't put me off. But what I'm looking for is, is in them is some ability to, to engage with that and reflection and and, and, a, and a thought process that goes along with it. And when I, when I find that, they're the sort of people I can work with. And the most, probably the most powerful thing for me as a viewer watching this was that you find the humanity in all of these people, some of them unlikely and um, some of them enemies. Um, and you evoke feelings that the viewer in many cases, I think, will be surprised by. They didn't think that they would have any empathy or sympathy or understanding of person X or person Y. But... Let me, let me ask you this, because this is a very impressionistic work and you are pulling out not quite random examples, you're pulling out quite purposeful examples of a wider truth. You're trying to tell a story through individuals um, who represent something that was much bigger than simply their experience. Is there a danger there that you are searching for people who do evoke empathy and some of the people involved in the Troubles would not evoke any empathy whatsoever because they were callous, they were psychopathic, they were completely um, beyond what most reasonable people would find in any way um, understandable or um, empathetic towards them. The agenda is always to evoke empathy. What you want is for, for a documentary to create a better understanding of a situation. And, that, and therefore I'm purposely looking for people that can, that can further that further that further that discourse and you know bring people together in a way which has some sort of positive impact on the viewer 
Um, and so, and so, yeah, I'm unashamedly looking for people that, that that can do that. Can you understand why some people might look at that and say that that is artificial? Well, I don't think it's artificial. So, um, I can, you can you can look at it and say it's not definitive, but I'm not claiming to be definitive. Shan, let me let me ask you about the female aspect of the interviewees. The media often struggles to get, certainly in politics, where I've spent lots of my career, struggles to get um, female voices, even where they exist in parties. Um, often the parties put forward male representatives to do TV panels, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It can be a particular challenge. Was that difficult here? Or because the troubles were across all of society and some of the, um, some of the brunt of that was borne most um, heavily by women, and by girls in Northern Ireland, was that something that was not any more difficult here? Um, no, it, it was quite difficult. I mean, it, it was difficult. It was difficult because I think um, a lot of women had been sort of believed that they didn't really have a story or like what they experienced, you know, wasn't even a story to tell. So um, it was it was difficult to try and convince not convince people but to give them sort of that confidence to know that yes they did have a story that wasn't as important as maybe you know someone who had done something you know you know the effect on their life that story is as important to tell as someone who you know was active or something during the troubles and um yeah it was it, but it was something we were always aware of from the beginning like it's something we came into this with the intention to try and do so um we were always looking for that 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 sort of viewpoint and um who could tell it and uh, yeah aware of the of the difficulties of getting women to speak out like that well let me let me let me ask you about about a different um female voice very powerful female voice in the film june proctor and the the story of her husband being murdered after she's just given birth. She's still in hospital. Can you take me through how that came about? She is someone who is publicly known in Northern Ireland. Obviously, there was a conviction of um, her husband's killer um, not that long ago. That was in the news. But I hadn't seen her interviewed and speaking about it in that way. I went into early labour. So I went into hospital on the uh, Thursday morning. Still recall waiting and Johnny coming to the hospital. It's uh, husband's only at night. And then standing there to wait for his car to come up, which never came. You know, you stand at the window and the, the, the gunman's car come up. Well, June's kind of an amazing person and she's just so warm as well. Like when you meet her, she really likes, she's funny and she's like, she's got like a lovely presence to be around her. So I think when um, James and I met her, we just, we really liked her, but that, that story is really haunting. And I think um, the people at Wave told us about it. And I, then I think Ficky, um, our series producer, had actually watched the archive of um, Johnny's funeral. So it was sort of, it was one of those stories that you're aware of from different avenues. And then you meet someone and, and yeah, June is just a really amazing woman. And um, we're very thankful that she did it. But yeah, it was sort of one of those things that all came together. Have you had much contact with any of the interviewees since this has gone out? Yeah, we've. I speak to them. I think we all speak to them quite often. It's sort of been a large project to do together, and um, those relationships don't go away. And I think 
I mean, what we did, they have all seen their contributions before they were even finished, just so that they felt, you know, so that they knew what was coming out and that they felt happy um, and satisfied with how their stories were being portrayed. Um, so, yeah, and we speak to them and I think everyone's just slightly like a little bit, can't believe how many people have seen it. So, yeah. I, and I think I think I don't know. I'll keep speaking to them even long after this is over. How how did this change from what you envisaged at the outset to what the final product was? How much was it influenced by what you actually found when you went and spoke to these people? That would imply that 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 that, that you know that we that we had like like a like we had a plan <laughs> when, you, when you start, and which which I'm not sure we we, we sort of did. I think I think we had a I think we had an idea like a concept, um, and that concept would be filled with the you know um, with, with, with through through research um, by finding people um, along the way. So I suppose I suppose in, in, you know um, in that sense in that sense the the the, the 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 film hasn't the series hasn't changed that much. The concept the con- the concept was always was always hoping to find um, amazing amazing people who can really communicate their stories in a way which will create empathy. And that feels like the, 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 the film has succeeded in that. James and Shan, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Sam. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a 75 euro O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply.